If you have not heard the first episode of this series, Talk, 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 I really encourage you to go back and listen to this in order, simply because these episodes are going to be building upon each other. There's a reason why I went into such depth about what's going on internally, because it's going to build on to what we're going to talk about what's going on externally. We have our flesh, we have our spirit, and we have our soul. And having an understanding of that helps us to understand, and it really illuminates, and Revelation really starts to work as you read different parts of the Bible when it talks about how God works with us. It's very important that we as disciples know how to let God work through us, and that foundation is very necessary. So, as I say every episode, put your gear on because we are about to dive deep. My name is Imani Akins, and this is the Deeper Waters Podcast. Welcome back to the second part of this series, Talk, Talk, Talk. And as we've talked about this last part of the series, we've talked about a lot of the internal parts of in the internal voices that are speaking to us on a daily basis and how we as disciples need to be disciplined enough to recognize what is going on internally. But now we want to start to make that connection to God and God speaking to us. And I think one question that kind of pops up very quickly is how do you even get God to talk to you? Well, for one, we can't force God to do anything, but God was very clear in his word that all are called, but few are chosen. He chooses those who are willing. He chooses those who are compliant. I think it's also very interesting when you look both throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, the people he chose, they weren't perfect people, but they were ready. They were prepared, not prepared in the sense of having an ability, but they were prepared to receive. God will put you in a place to where you will be ready to receive, whether he has to knock you down or whether you just have to go through certain events of your life. For example, we one of the first examples I used for this last podcast was Moses. And Moses grew up in the house of Pharaoh, but he did not hear from God until he went away and out of Egypt, got all this stuff of the world and out of Egypt. Uh, Hebrews describes his time of Egypt as enjoying the pleasures of sin for a moment. It made that allegory. So he got out of that sinful area for a long time, 40 years before he had that burning bush experience. I think another interesting person is David. David, a man after God's own heart. And even though he was not a perfect man and he slipped up, his intentions were in line with God, his intentions. And he was genuinely sorrowful when he sinned and continually turned his life towards God. But even then, he was anointed at a very young age, but it took many years for him to finally get to the place where God wanted him to be. But even throughout then, he frequently inquired of the Lord. So he was able to talk to God even before he got to the place of God. So that's one thing you have to be searching after God's will in the first place. He was continually inquiring of the Lord for 
very, very, very many decisions that some people would have just made without even thinking twice to ask God, will I win this battle? But so much of first and second Samuel you hear, he puts on the ephod and gets with the priest and it's like, oh, we need to talk to God. God, will I win this battle? And if he got the okay, he went. If he didn't get the okay, he did it another way and did whatever God told him to do instead. But I think another very interesting calling is when you look at Saul, who is later Paul, who wrote most of the books that we read in the New Testament now. Paul is very interesting because he was not at all serving Christ. Now, he thought in his mind, though, he was serving God, but he was not at all serving Christ. But he was zealous for what he did. And I think that is, might just be part of the reason why he was called. He was totally committed. He was a Jew. He, he thought he was serving God. He was a Pharisee. So he thought he was serving God. And he was totally committed to what he was doing. He put his heart, his mind, and his soul into fighting the Christians thinking he was serving God. But then God gave him that revelation. He was blind for a little bit, and then he was able to receive that calling, and his life radically changed when he was on a path. He was on a path, and he thought it was the right one, but God had to show him it was the wrong one. But he was totally committed, and he thought he was serving God with all his heart. Now, he wasn't necessarily communicating with them, but that is when he received that call. So I want you guys to know this has this wasn't necessarily the big premise of the podcast, but God will call all. He calls all. Whether you're serving God correctly or incorrectly, he calls you all. If you're not even serving God at all, God still has a call for you, but you have to be willing to answer it. All are called, but few are chosen because few are willing to listen to that call and listen to the different ways that God tries to get our attention. He'll let you go through some stuff if you have to, if that is what is needed to soften your heart to get you ready to receive what he wants to speak to you. I think another thing that's important is that he needs to be able to hear you. Now, obviously, he can hear everything. He's anywhere and everywhere. But the Bible has a couple prerequisites in the Bible to being heard, as in that the Lord, obviously, like I said, he can hear everything, but there's scriptures where it says, I will not hear your prayer. And we have to make sure that we're not just praying and God isn't pleased with us and he doesn't want to hear our prayers, but we need to make sure that we are serving him and that we are humble and that we are obedient so that he wants to hear and work with us in the first place. So just to talk about some prerequisites to not even just God hearing us, but God using us and starting to lead us and guide us. I think a very interesting scripture is Proverbs twenty twenty seven, And I remember I heard this in a sermon that I was listening to. And this just really changed. I don't want to even say changed, but gave some revelation. This is Proverbs 20 and 27. And it says, the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the innerward parts of the belly. The spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. I thought that was interesting because 
especially from the New Testament. This is in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, it's like, okay, that's cool, but we don't we need the Holy Spirit? And yes, the answer is yes. But I think it's interesting, the specific language that it used, the spirit of the man is what God wants to use. God wants to work with your spirit. I think this is also part of the reason why it has verses in, such as in Corinthians, I believe, 14, when it says the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. And I, I know in one episode I talked about how I believe that applies to more than just prophets because your spirit matters. You have to have a conscience that is set on God, that is renewed and reconciled back to the purpose. God will use it. God will use your God will use you to help others, but he'll also use you to work on yourself. He'll start to convict you if you'll let him. So now that we've read that verse, it's very hard for me not to read the whole chapter of Romans 8 every time, but I won't read the whole thing. But there's a portion of this scripture that is very important, and I'll highlight it after we read. Since we've read Proverbs 20, there's going to be a certain part that I want to highlight in Romans 8. And this is really a theme, Romans 8, of this season of the podcast, at least thus far, because as disciples, we can't just be working and not even just be disciplined, but we need to be walking in destiny and being fully spirit-led, not part-time spirit-led, just like we're not supposed to be part-time disciples, because we could be a full-time disciple, but not spirit-led at all, as far as in the sense of in our mental thinking that we're a disciple and thinking that we're working for God full time, doing all these ministries, but we're not doing it God's way. We need to make sure that we are reaching people and that we're doing things for God, but with his power. So I'm going to start reading Romans eight, starting with chapter, not chapter, chapter eight, verse one. So it says the following, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that I was weak through what the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So this is proof that you don't have to live by your flesh because God was able to do it. And now he's given us the ability to do it. So continuing reading verse four, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded, as we talked about last episode is to be is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That might explain some of the issues we have in our life. Are we seeing death around us? Are we seeing life and peace in our mind? That's kind of an indicator of where your mind is at. Is it the carnal or is it spiritual? Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity, it is completely against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. If you have a carnal mind, you cannot serve God. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is not of his. And if Christ be in you, 
The body is dead because sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live in the, after the flesh. I love that it says we are debtors, but not to the flesh. We are debtors, but not to the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit mortify, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall then live. For as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So I want to highlight verse 16, talking about that witness of the spirit. When people say, I feel a witness in my spirit, it's not just talking about like, I feel a witness in the Holy Spirit, but they're also just talking about within their own spirit. The spirit itself, verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We have to know that we are children of God. We have to have, as Proverbs twenty twenty seven said, the truth in our inward parts. We have to have that in the inner man. We have to have truth throughout our whole being. We cannot live through the flesh, but we need to have it within our soul. We have to have the truth deep within us. And we have to have that knowledge that we are in Christ. And the only way to have that is through the spirit. So we have to have both the spirit of God working with our spirit. And I, I would even venture to say that it's important that our conscience is healed through his spirit. He can deliver us and he can heal us. He's going to take us through a process of healing so that we can be closer, closer to him and understand his ways. Now, we may not understand everything, but we know that we can trust him. You must have a conscious conscience. So that's what we were talking about earlier with the spirit. But you must have that. You must be conscious of the fact that you are a child of God. So if your conscience is healed, if your conscience is right with God and you're filled with the Holy Spirit, then you will be conscious of the fact that you are a child of God. So it's very important, like we said, that you understand what is going on internally from this past episode. But you also, once you know what is going on internally, walk with that knowledge. As Romans 8 tells you later in Romans eight twenty eight, for we know that all things work together for the good of those that love God. So we have, like I said, we have to be conscious. We have to know the fact that we are a child of God. So how do we know that we love God? How do we know that we are a child of God? Well, of course we need to be filled with the spirit, but how do we know if we're actually walking and being led by the spirit? How do we know that? Well, John does a great job of telling us how to love Christ. John tells us a great, does a great job of telling us how to live, how to love John, the book and first John just do a great job of telling us that love to God is obedience. 
But right now I want to fo- focus on not the book of John, but first John chapter three. And this tells us how we know that we are in Christ, how we know that we are truly in Christ and that we were not just going through the motions, but that he's truly in work through us and that this truth is in our inward parts and that God really has a hold of our spirit and that we just are truly submitted to him in all our ways. So first John chapter three and verse one, it says, behold, what manner of love the father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him was no sin. Whosoever abideth in him, Jesus Christ, whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Wow, that's powerful. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that he that doeth righteousness is righteous, and even as he is righteous. He that the, he that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one who slew his brother and wherefore he slew him because his own works were evil and his brothers righteous marvel not my brethren if the world hates you we know that we have passed from death unto life before because we love the brethren he that loveth not his brother abideth in death whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother having need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. 
Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have then we have confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwell in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit, which he give, he has given us. So right there was a lot of stuff, but this chapter alone, which first John is very good. I just love all the writings from everybody in the Bible, but first John is really good. If you want to just read something that's a short book, I really recommend John. It makes it very clear what the love of God is. And it makes it very clear if you're serving God or if you're not. So right here, it not only told us if we are acting like we are a son of God or if we're acting like a child of Satan, it's made it very clear. Children of God do not sin. Now, like I mentioned earlier, that doesn't mean that you will never be tempted to sin. And that doesn't even necessarily mean that you will be perfect. But we should not have a lifestyle of sin. We should not be struggling with the same sins over and over and over and over again. Now, like I said, that doesn't mean you'll never be tempted again in your life. You will be tempted always as long as you have flesh. But if we're not living by the flesh, you will not fall into those temptations, into those impulses from the flesh because you're being led by the spirit. So this is how you know. <laughs> Look at your life. What are the fruits of your life? Are you living as one that is following the commandments of God wholly, or do you still have sin active in your life? This is the telltale right here. But also when it comes to communicating with God and all that talk that we've been talking about throughout this talk, talk, talk series, it's very important that we are, we know that we are in God and that we are serving God. And we're doing this with intentionality because Verse 22 says, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and we do things that are pleasing in his sight. And just 23, it also says, and this is his commandment that we should believe on his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another as he gave us commandments. So. First of all, we got to love each other. We cannot have any sort of strife within us, within against our brothers or our sisters or anybody. We cannot have any hatred in our hearts, but we also have to love God first. Loving God means following him, which means we'll naturally do this as well. But he will answer our prayers if we will just follow after his direction. If we are being led by his spirit, we will be following all of his commandments. And if we're following his commandments, like it says right here, he will hear us and he will do whatever we ask in his name. Why? Because we are following after him and we're doing his will. Everything that we ask is going to be within his will. Because he'll answer and he'll answer every prayer in accordance to his will as long as you are following after him. So that is so important. This is how you get heard. Those prerequisites as we were talking about to being heard. This is how you get prayers heard, and this is how you get prayers answered. 
This obedience and love goes beyond just loving God, but that means to love people, as we mentioned. We must follow the greatest commandments. When Jesus summed up all the commandments of God, he said it is first to love God, and then it is to love others. And we talked a little bit about that in more depth in the prayer versus intercession episode and applied it to different aspects of prayer. But those are the two greatest commandments, to love God, which means to be obedient. And if you're obedient to him, you're going to naturally love everybody else. But another thing, it, if you have the world hating you, it says that the world didn't like Christ. So if you're in Christ, it's not going to like you. So if you have a lot of worldly people around you, I'm not saying everybody's just going to stone you or something like that. But if you know that, notice that you just fit in with the world. And nobody doesn't see anything off-putting about you. If nobody doesn't see anything that makes you different, because it's not you, but it's Christ. If they see Christ in you, they're not going to be comfortable doing all this stuff because they're of the world. They may even call you a hater, and you may not have even said a word. I know that's happened to me in the past, and I've seen it happen to other people. But there's also times in my life when I wasn't being an example of Christ, and I wasn't acting like a son of God. And that light wasn't shining like it should be. So this is another thing that we can use as a scale, but also of where we're at with God. But also this shows why we may not be seeing some of our prayers heard. But there's other qualities we must have other than just obedience, which really all of it falls under obedience to the love of God. But just some specific things to highlight. And I'm going to go through this list. One thing that's very important is humility. It's not enough to just know that you need God, but as the prodigal son, you have to be willing to go back to him and confess. I may not have been living the best life. I may not have made all the right decisions, but I need you and I want to change genuinely. I'm not just asking for forgiveness just to turn around and to do the same thing. But we have to be humble. We have to lower ourselves so God can pick us up because God hates pride. If we're going to puff up ourselves and act like we got it all together and that God is just some side thing, God will knock you down. Pride cometh before the fall. But Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says this. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. A repentant heart is a humble one. If you're living a humble lifestyle, even should you mess up, you will turn to God and say, hey, I'm sorry. But not only I'm sorry, but whatever you want to say to me, because I did something wrong. And it wasn't just that I did something wrong, but I opened myself up to do something wrong. So whatever you told me the first time to get rid of or whatever caused me to do this, I'm going to get rid of that. Whatever I need to add in my life, I maybe need to add a boundary or add accountability to my life. I'll be humble enough to do what you told me to do, because there's some things that God gives us to do that we would do, but we're just not humble enough to do it. Repentance is a lifestyle, and it's not just saying sorry, but it follows by action and by faith. 
As we mentioned earlier, you have to have love for God, obedience, not just, and it's not just to God, as we mentioned, and it's not just about loving other people around you, but he commands us to honor different people. And it's not necessarily always saying to follow other people, but we need to honor two different groups of people, which both of them fall under authority, but we need to honor our authorities and we need to honor our parents. Even if they aren't all the way in God, we must honor them. As I mentioned, we do not follow anybody before God. We must follow God in everything, but that does not change the fact that we need to have honor for people. If you cannot honor people who you can't kind of understand, but you may not fully understand what your parents do. And we definitely will not always understand what our authorities will do, what our pastor will do, and even not even our God-given authorities, but uh, well, all of our authorities are God-given, but in the church, maybe we have a professor or something like that. Like I said, that doesn't necessarily mean that we follow everything that they do, but we honor them. If you can't honor people who you can kind of understand, but we can't fully understand how other people's minds work, how could we honor God who we will never fully understand? We have to be following his commandments. One of his commandments was to honor other people. So to be obedient and to follow, especially in the church, our leadership. And if you're in a godly home, being obedient to your parents as well. But no matter what, you still have to have that honor. Another thing, of course, the fear of God. Read Acts. Don't act like you read Acts. I know one preacher even said, you know, we're going to read one of the lost books of the Bible, Acts, because everybody just seems like they don't want to read that book. But there's so much in that book. It's the literal actions of the apostles, the actions of Jesus's disciples. That's what we as disciples need to walk as disciples and to create other disciples is to see how they acted. But when you read that book of Acts, you'll see that they continuously walked in the fear of God. This is what the apostles walked in. This is what the miracles, how miracles were wrought by having that fear of God. And like I said, I did a podcast that covered this more. And I'll put that link in the bio of this episode just so because I've referenced that wisdom and the fear of God so much in these past few episodes. I'll just put that link in this episode so you can have some more information and a Bible study that goes deeper into that. But the fear of God is just respect for God to follow after him and to be obedient. And when you have that in you, it shows on others because when they had the fear of God within them, then God also when he worked through them, the fear of God was demonstrated on other people. So they felt the fear of God when they were obedient and they had the fear of God in them. Of course, as always, we have to have love. We also have to have hope. We have to have faith. We have to have belief. Jesus himself didn't even work in his hometown because they didn't believe Now, he did some miracles, but he didn't get to do the mighty acts that he wanted to do because they simply did not believe. They did not believe God and they did not believe his power. So he didn't do everything that he wanted to do. 
So we have to have belief in order for God to work in our life. And we have to believe when we pray that he will answer those prayers. Because it's kind of like going to a rich person and saying, oh, can if you can, can you just please give me five dollars? I know you might not be able to. That's offensive to a rich person. They are more than capable of giving you five dollars. That's like less than a less than a fraction of a penny to them. That's how it is to God when we come to him without belief, without faith, without hope. It's offensive to God. So why would he want to hear that? Another thing that is the prerequisite that, especially for healing in the Bible, is forgiveness. We have to, of course, love one another. But even when somebody has wronged us, we have to forgive. We have to be willing to forgive and to get any evil out of our heart, to mortify that, to mortify the bitterness. Because once you let bitterness get a hold of you, that's going to take you immediately down a bad road. But we have to let forgiveness flow from out, out of our hearts. There's a reason why in the Lord's Prayer it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It kind of goes back to that whole concept of God using our spirit as a candle. He's the one guiding it, us. He's the one guiding our spirit, but we have to be willing to be guided. So when you're willing to be guided, like we said, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. There's a relationship between us and God through our forgiveness and him working through us. And then, of course, we have to have consistency. We have to continue to pray, continue always fervent in prayer and pressing in. And some people are like, well, we don't want to be repetitious. We don't want to just pray the same thing. Well, I would say this. Not all repetition is vain. The Bible is very clear against vain repetition. Jesus said, do not pray vain repetitions, but not all repetition is vain. A vain repetition would be saying things that are meaningless. Oh, 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 father, father, heavenly father. Oh, just saying the same old things, big pompous words that don't really mean anything. That's vain. But praying with purpose is not in vain. In fact, even in one of the times when Jesus was teaching his disciples to pray, it talked about how it, sometimes you're going to have to knock, to seek, to search for stuff, ask, seek, and knock. But then there's a part where he talks about keep on knocking. Like if you needed a neighbor to help you with something and they didn't answer the door, but if you kept knocking, they're going to come out. So being consistent, and if you have to, even be a little bit repetitive, not in vain, but with purpose. There's a difference between vanity and purpose. And we're working on this in this podcast, coming back to purpose. So there's nothing wrong. Of course, you need consistency to be a disciple, but there's also nothing wrong with being repetitious. In fact, that's a, that's a habit. Praying the Lord's Prayer itself, that's one of the most powerful prayers that you can pray. There's nothing wrong. If you have no other words to say, go back to his word, read his word. That's not vain. But like I said, continue, be consistent. Always continue in prayer. Proverbs 15 and 29 says the following. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayers of the righteous. 
Now, this is not talking about self-righteousness, a.k.a. pride. Abraham was accounted righteous first for his faith, but then also by his actions that followed it. There's multiple accounts in the New Testament where it talks about Abraham being accounted righteous. And in one account, it says he was righteous because of his faith, not by his works. I think it's important to say that. It was because he believed, not because he was able to do something. It's not about your ability. But he believed in God. He was righteous for that. But not not only did he believe in God, but his actions followed his belief. So he was obedient to God and he served God. So this isn't an excuse to be lazy in our belief because we believe that oh, we believe, but we're not going to do anything. That's that's works-based salvation. No, that's not works-based salvation. We have to believe, but our actions need to follow. He did things in faith. He followed God in faith, and he was also accounted righteous from that because faith without works is dead. You cannot separate the two. It's Like I said, it's not about our ability, but it's about our belief. His actions followed his faith. That's why we are saved by grace through faith. We believe, but we our actions follow because we obey God. You must recognize that a prayer answered is not also always the answer that we want. So we just listed all these different things for God to commune with us and for him to hear us. Humility, love, fear, faith, hope, belief, forgiveness, consistency. And being righteous in the Lord. This is creating righteousness. This is what makes us quote unquote righteous, not self-righteous, but righteous through him. He's the only one that can make us righteous. He became sin that knew no sin that we might become righteousness. It's through him. Our righteousness is filthy rags. Our righteousness is pride. And then it has to go. We have to humble ourselves. And that is how we come into this righteousness. But after we do all this, we may be praying for something, but you must recognize that an answer prayer is not always going to be the answer we want. But we have to know that it's still working out together for the good of those that love God. So he'll always answer a prayer if you're doing all these things, if you're just simply doing his word. That's what it comes down to, being led by a spirit and doing his word. He will always answer your prayer. Now, it may be a yes. It may be a no. It may be a wait. It may not be what we want to hear. There's a lot of times when it's stuff that I don't want to hear. I found, even as I talked about in that first podcast, a lot of the times when I started to notice God was using someone to speak to me or something to speak to me. When I first would hear it, I would kind of just see it as somebody just speaking. But then there's certain times when I realized as much as I didn't want to do something or as much as I didn't want to receive something, this is God speaking through somebody and to be humble enough to receive that and humble enough to say, not my will and to pray on stuff. You, you got to pray and ask God for wisdom, but to be humble enough to say, not my will, but yours be done. He'll always answer. Like I said, and he'll even talk to you, but you have to recognize that. 
it's not always going to be your will. Now, we talked about all the stuff about being heard, but we also need to talk about stuff we need to do in order to hear. So we talked about hearing and understanding what's going on internally, but we also need to know what it's like to hear from God. Now, God can speak to anyone no matter what and with anyone no matter what. However, we should become sensitive to him at all times. Like I mentioned in another pod, the previous podcast, God can speak through anyone and any time, but we have to know and be available because he can, he can speak to us even in the middle of our sin, but we need to make ourselves as disciples, as people who are walking with destiny and purpose and in calling. We need to make sure that we are always available for Christ to speak to us. So Romans 6 does a good job explaining how this works. So starting with verse 1, it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin, the body of sin, might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in him that he for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it. So don't obey your body in the lust thereof, and the impulses, and the feelings, and, and the affections. Don't obey your body. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourself unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For if sin shall have shall for sin shall not have dominion over you for ye are not under the law but under grace what then shall we sin because we are under not under the law but under grace god forbid know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants ye are to whom ye obey whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness but god be thanked that ye were the servants of sin but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you 
being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. As we were talking about earlier, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as you have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so you yield your members servants to righteousness and unto holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are ashamed, now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now being made free from sin, you have become servants through God. Ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end is everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So there's a lot of things right there. One thing, though, that we have to realize is that we are free in Christ, but we are not free to do everything. We have a liberty, and that liberty is from. In life, you always have freedom from something. When you are living in the world and you're living in sin, you serve sin. You're not free to do whatever you want. You're just free from doing righteousness. You're not free from all those consequences from death. But when you're in Christ, you have liberty. You are free from sin and its consequences. But we are servants. We have to recognize this because you will hear what you yield to. You will hear what you love and you love most what you obey most soldiers get commands. And I recommend recommend reading second Timothy two, and I'll go more in depth into that chapter in another episode. And that's a whole separate concept I want to get into, but soldiers get commands. Servants get commands from their master. And if you love God, you will follow after his commands. If you love God, you will follow after where he's leading you. And you will be a servant to that. And when you yield yourself to God, you will hear him. So once you start to yield yourself to God, you have to start giving up your own will and you have to accept his. And as you pray, you can get so passionate in prayer and you can keep praying and keep talking and keep talking and talk, talk, talk as this series is called. And you can just talk, talk, talk. But there's a point in time within your prayer that you need to stop talking. And that's for two reasons. God needs a chance to speak. And two, if you're always talking and you can't keep your mouth shut at any point in time, if God should reveal something to you, God will reveal any event that he does on the earth to his servants, the prophets, as we mentioned in another episode before he goes and executes that event. But God not only needs a chance to speak, but even when he does speak and we're always talking, not just to God, but if we're always talking about every single thing that God revealed to us, because, for example, there's one time, there's a couple times actually in my early morning prayer where I got a word of knowledge about somebody. And it was very interesting because I was like, why am I praying about this for somebody? I don't even know what this has to do with anything. 
But then come to find out that was the word of knowledge of what they were going through and certain things that were in their life. And I could have just started talking to people about that. Oh, this person is dealing with this. Oh, this person has this going on in their life. God doesn't want to give you revelation, not only for yourself, but God doesn't want to give you revelation about other people and people that you need to disciple and help out and pull out of the flames of hell for you to turn around and be a talebearer. So for one, we need to be careful that we are not talking too much, even if it's something powerful that God showed us in prayer. But two, we need to stop talking sometimes. And I got convicted about this because I love to talk when it comes to things of God and things about the Bible. Now, certain other things I have very little to say um, and I'll listen all day. But when it's something that I'm passionate about, I love to talk and talk. And even in my prayer time, I love to talk and offer up all this stuff to God. And then it's very easy to do all that once you get a prayer life and to just keep praying and keep talking and keep talking and never stop for a moment and just be patient and be still and wait. In that waiting, he strengthens you. They that wait on the Lord will be renewed and straight. You must be still and you must be patient. You must be still and know, have that knowledge that he is God and that he's working for you. But you also must be still and wait for his direction. As we mentioned earlier, and I didn't really get to read any of this as we will be talking about this in a different episode, talking about soldiers get commands. That David inquired of the Lord before everything he did, and he waited for the Lord. We have to be still and be patient and wait for his direction. We have to learn not only to tarry in prayer and to keep talking, but to tarry in prayer and to wait. And unfortunately, if I'm being honest, when I see people in prayer rooms and stuff like that, and this is just me being honest, sometimes when I look, it shocks me to see how many people do not know how to tarry in prayer. How many people, of course, we have different prayer times and stuff like that, but when, when prayer time is optional or when we're in a prayer room and we have nowhere else to go and it just, it's, it's, it's very, it's very shocking to see, but also it's not because I know where I was. It, uh, I got a prayer life. I'd read the Bible all throughout middle school and stuff like that, but I really did not get a consecrated prayer life until high school. And even then I still had my ups and my downs, but I learned what a prayer life was and how to begin to tarry in prayer. But we need to learn how to tear in prayer. That is very important because it's very easy to end up like Martha, Mary and Martha. Martha was too busy working. Don't be too busy working and doing everything, laboring, even in the ministry for God. She was laboring for Christ. Don't be too busy doing everything but what God wants you to do in the moment. Sit down and humble yourself and listen. And like I said, I'm not at all preaching against labor. I'm all for, I'm a firm believer of working hard for Christ, but labor without direction is a complete waste of time. Trying to be a disciple without direction is a complete and vain waste. We have to have the fear of the Lord. We have to have that spiritual direction. You must seek him while he may be found. 
We must be available and open when he wakes you up. There's been times where I've woken up at very, it's funny, people would say an ungodly hour. I woke up at an ungodly hour. God probably woke you up because he wants to talk to you. That was probably a godly hour. It's very funny how our language is changed over time to be almost ungodly language and language that's against God. But God may wake you up at a very strange time or you may be up and God, you're not able to sleep as easily as usual. When God impresses on you to pray, be available. Seek him while he may be found. Be available when he wakes you up. And even throughout the day, you may not have an opportunity to get on your knees and pray, but you can pray all throughout the day. You can be continuous in prayer and continuously think on God all throughout your day. It's possible. I promise you. But to be available and to seek him while while he can be found and he will give you direction. You'll begin to recognize when it's him speaking to you and when it's him leading to you. And you'll realize that he leads you more than you think he does especially when you're available and he speaks and he's trying to get your attention in more ways than you think he does when you're looking and when you're seeking him continuously. You must put him first like David. He always inquired of the Lord before every move. Psalm 123 records a prayer about David and this Psalm eventually invited God to make a a habitation before going to bed. This person said, I will not even rest my eyes until I have made a habitation for the Lord. We need to make sure that we're like that, that when we wake our eye and open our eyes, that we are seeking the Lord. And especially before we go to bed, because I figured out this is something that I was slacking on. I would get up early in the morning and pray. But it wasn't until about a year and a half ago that I started being more intentional about praying at night and reading at night. Not that I didn't pray at night. I, there was never a point in my life where I didn't pray at night. But it'd be like, oh, Lord, protect me. Thank you for giving me my sins so I don't go to hell. That's all. Jesus name, amen. And that's not going to cut it. But to really make your heart a habitation before God, it, it affects your sleep. And it even affects how you wake up in the morning when you wake up in the morning, you be ready to serve God and you'll already have God on your mind because you went to bed that way and you, then you get up that way and then it just becomes a lifestyle from there we have to remember Romans 8 a major theme of this season so far that we have to know and we have to love God we have to know that if we love God that it's going to work out no matter what it looks like we have to know that there is destiny for us if we love God Remember, all things don't work together for the good of those that God loves. All things work together for the good of those that love God, that are disciples, that are his children. All things work together for them. So I want to encourage you guys, for one, to pray Psalm 25. I'm not going to read this because I want you guys to read this aloud to yourself. But there's a part in Psalm 25 that talks about learning the secrets of the Lord. What he wants to tell you right now, if you're open. These secrets are what he wants to reveal around you in your life. If you're open, if you're available. And one more thing now that we've talked about being a disciple and discipleship. There's 2 Corinthians 
chapter 4. And in this, it says the following. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we receive mercy but faint now, not, but have renounced the hidden thing. I talked about in that fir the first episode of the season that we need to go back and renounce these hidden things. That we need to go back and let the Holy Spirit be a light of our life and do introspection to uproot the bitterness and the hidden things of our life. To renounce that. To repent and renounce it. So, continuing in. But we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. Not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the mind of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. And it goes on to talk about different afflictions that we may face. We may be troubled, but we will not, we will not be distressed and we may be perplexed, but we will not be in despair. We may be persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body, in the body, the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Yet to believe in what you're speaking, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up by Jesus and shall present us with you for all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of God redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but through, but though our outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us if exceed far more exceeding eternal weight of glory while we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal so right here it describes that for one we're not living for our outward man. We're, and even though we have to keep pressing, and it's not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to live for Christ. But even though it feels like on the outside we may be dying, because it is. Our flesh is dying. But our inward man is being renewed every day. And why are we doing this? At the beginning of this chapter, it talked about the world. 
the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of other people. People have their minds blinded. They cannot see. They cannot understand correctly. And that is why it's our job to speak this knowledge that God gave us. Not just any kind of knowledge, but knowledge about Christ. Knowledge doesn't mean anything if it's not God. If it's not about God. Like I said, it could be a fact, but it has to be the truth. Knowledge of truth. Knowledge of God. And when we have this light shining in us, we can spread the gospel. Like I said, this doesn't just apply to us, all the stuff that we've been talking about in this Talk, Talk, Talk series. We can use this understanding to spread the gospel. As we talked about, we need to make sure that we are in line with Christ and we get the uh, beam out of our eye or the log out of our eye before we go into anybody else and try to help them. Now, I'm not saying that we can't help anybody at any time, but we really need to make sure we do some introspection and that we are led by God. Because this helps us in spread the gospel. As I mentioned, the invisible world is real. The unseen is real. I have an episode that we did, Elijah and I, and I definitely suggest watching that episode about unseen things. But we have to realize that having this knowledge, it is considered light. You're shining revelation on somebody who has a veil of darkness. We have to shine that light on people's consciences and on their minds by spreading his word. And by spreading his faith, we are, it's causing healing. And the best way to describe it, it says faith cometh by hearing, but hearing of the word of God, but who can get that unless there's a preacher. We all are called as disciples to go and to spread that gospel because when you're doing that, that's what you're doing. You're spreading light. You're spreading light. You're, tapping people's conscience you're tapping people's spirits you're tapping people's souls and you're working with christ you're being a tool that can be used i think like i said it's interesting that it says the spirit of a man is the candle of the lord he can use you as his light it's not you that is the light but his light can shine through you if you let him we may be able to plant and we may be able to water and God can even shine his light through us. And while we can only go th so far, God is the one that determines and really a person determines if they want to serve God. We all have free will, but God will give the increase, but we still have to do everything that we can. God can shine his light through us. We can plant and we can water. God will give the increase. He can soften people's hearts. He will shine his light upon them and in, in their hearts and give them knowledge of his glory. We don't have to try to conjure up some experience because God will give them an undeniable experience. He will give them revelation. Now, I'm not saying in a setting, in a service or in a home when you God is leading you to pray for people. That's not what I'm talking about, but I'm talking about appealing to people's senses. We do not have to have a perfect band. We do not have to have a perfect voice or a perfect oration. And really, the Bible almost preaches against that, gets that, not saying that you can't present the gospel with great words and great speech, but it's not about that. It's about God. We don't, all we have to do is be willing. We have to be bold enough to stand there and to proclaim the truth. Boldness is not necessarily a personality trait because you can have charisma without being bold. Bold is being willing to stand firm in God's word and to speak the truth as it is. And boldness is really not even necessarily a fruit of the spirit because you could be bold about something that's not for Christ. 
But even if you are in Christ and you believe this truth and you're living a non-sinful life, but you have all this oppression that we even talked about in the second Corinthians chapter four, troubled on every side. When the disciples were troubled on every side and acts, they prayed for boldness. They already had the Holy Ghost, but they prayed specifically for boldness. And he gave them the boldness that it took to shine their light. And that's what we have to do, no matter what tools that we have. And even if we feel like we'll look foolish, we have to shine that light. We have to spread his love, his faith and his hope. Faith, like I said, comes from hearing. This is the Bible, meaning that somebody has to go out and preach that. We must recognize that we aren't just dealing with an outward man, but we're dealing with the inward man, not just our inward man. But we're also, when we're talking with other people, no matter what it may look like and how somebody's flesh may react to something that we say, that you're still affecting their spirit. You're still infecting, uh, affecting that inward man. We must work with the Holy Spirit, with the spirit of faith. We must be full of faith. If we have faith in God and we believe in God, and we speak things of God and we follow things of God and we have faith and works that follow, which is just simply obedience. That's really all it is. Then we will see God working. We will hear God in our life. We will see God in our life. And you may not be able to see with your carnal mind how you're affecting people. But we have to get out of that carnal mind. We have to get out of our own understanding. That person may have cussed you out as soon as you started telling them the gospel. But you don't know what it did to their spirit. It matters. And I'm looking up and seeing where the time is. But that doesn't change the fact that I want to close this episode, this part two of this Talk, Talk, Talk series out with prayer. And this is the conclusion of the Talk, Talk, Talk series. Like I said, there's so many other topics that will be coming out of this episode but I got through, fortunately, all the notes that I had concerning this part two of the episode. But like I said, we have to put on, set our mind on things above, as Colossians 3 talks about, and mortify our flesh so that God can use us. And so we can have an understanding. We'll have a better understanding when we realize that people's flesh is not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with spirits. We're dealing with inward men. Even though we can't see all of that, when we get right with us on the inside, when we get right with our inward man and we are fully submitted to God, we'll begin to see and we will begin walking in revelation, walking in the fear of God, walking in his wisdom. So right now I want to pray for every single person listening that you would begin to receive revelation and that you would not just hear my voice. For all you know, I could be completely lying to you. I could co be completely making everything up. But there's a church, I believe it's in Acts 17. There's the church of Berea. And they studied, they checked everything, and they grew super quick in Christ. They grew super quick in the grace of Christ because they were willing to study. And they were willing to check the scriptures. So check the scriptures for yourself. Create a prayer life for yourself. Don't just rely on a podcast. Don't just rely on a preacher. Don't just even rely on a pastor. You need a pastor. But you need to get your spirit right for yourself and work out your own salvation 
and then you'll be able to help others and you'll be an effective disciple. So we're going to pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for this day and thank you for all that you provided for us. I pray, Lord, that your revelation will come upon us right now, that we will understand what we're dealing with and what we're working with, that we have you. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to mortify our flesh and to get in alignment with you, to be led by you in all of our ways, to have our minds set on things above, to do the king's business, to press your kingdom and your will, and to submit our own. I pray that you would begin to change our will, that you would begin to change our hearts, that you would begin to change our minds and to align it with yours, and that we would begin to see the effects that every word that we say in faith and everything that we speak in faith, the impact that that has on people, the people that we give a Bible study to in faith, the people that we say what you put on our hearts to say in faith, that we would see the effect of that and that we would believe. I pray that you would fill every person that is listening to this podcast right now with boldness to go ahead and stand, to shine that light, to take it out from under the bushel and to shine it no matter where they're at and no matter what reaction may come out of the person that they're shining the light on because it matters. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would act as if sons, as sons and daughters of God that we are. As we cry, Abba, Father, we want your will. We want your kingdom to come. We want your will to be done. So God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for how you're working and just your amazing goodness, Lord. We thank you and we praise you. Oh Lord, continue to lead us and guide us in your will. In Jesus' holy, mighty, and matchless name, amen. Well, if you guys don't like long episodes, please let me know, but this one, ended up being one of the longer episodes but I hope that this helped somebody and I pray publicly on the podcast and you could submit prayer requests to our different pages but just know that I am praying for you guys I mean I know every single person that's listening to this podcast there's people in Belgium and different other countries that I I have no idea how some of these people are listening to the podcast, to be honest. But I'm praying for you guys. I'm rooting for you guys because I'm rooting for Christ. And I want His will to be done. So I pray that you would search the scriptures and that you will allow God to guide you. And it's it's not going to be easy at first to follow those convictions that you've been ignoring for a long time. But when you start to obey them, it gets easier and easier. And I don't want you guys to just feel like you have to live an average life. God calls and he'll qualify those he called. He'll justify those he called. He'll glorify those who he called in his purpose, not for your glory, but for his. So begin to walk in destiny. Let him guide you into the destiny that he has for you as a disciple of Christ and just watch him work in your life so before i just continue to talk and talk like i have just now i just want to say thank you for listening and i'm praying for you guys always feel free to connect and to leave a review and we'll have you next time but up until next time god bless you in jesus name